Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. Welcome to this week's Growing in Grace podcast. My name is Joel Brzezinski with Mike Kapler here on our weekly Delve into the Grace of God. We have been doing for some time now a series on the book of Hebrews, our favorite book, at least one of them of the Bible, and we we love finding out all about what Christ has done for us. That's really what this epistle is about, the epistle that a Hebrew man wrote to his fellow Hebrews to explain to them what Christ has done. Because formerly, there had been a covenant, a covenant made up of 613 laws that these people had been under, and the writer is showing them that they fell short, that trying to keep these laws wouldn't do it. All of these earthly things that went on that the Levite priesthood uh, tried to accomplish, they were told to do this. It was a shadow of what was to come, but Christ is the real thing, the real deal. Christ is the one through whom we've received perfection, which is was the requirement under the old covenant that nobody could meet. So uh, here we are quite a ways into our series on Hebrews now. We've gotten all the way up to the first part of chapter 9. And Mr. Kapler, let's, uh, let's keep on talking about Hebrews. There is some really rich stuff throughout this book, and, and we love highlighting these things about Christ and his own blood that accomplished what the law couldn't do. Yes, sir. We made it last week up to Hebrews 9.11. It feels like an emergency call being made, right? <laughs> Hebrews 9.11. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the first 10 verses of, of chapter 9 give a little summary of what some of the priests did under the law in that old tabernacle and the, the ceremonial washings and things that couldn't bring the perfection that was needed. So there, there, there was a situation, you see, where sacrifices occurred daily. Priests would stand daily offering up the same sacrifices which couldn't take away sins, right? But Jesus offered one sacrifice which did take away sins. And, and we'll talk more about that, but we're going to move forward here. But I just wanted to mention that what the writer here was saying at the beginning of chapter 9 is kind of a, a quick overview of what the priesthood was doing, going into the Holy of Holies once a year with the high priest, that sort of thing. But it couldn't bring what the people needed, ultimately. that That's the bottom line. Uh, verse 11, when Christ appeared, but when Christ appeared. This is the contrast again. He appeared as a high priest and he's a permanent one, by the way, not a temporary high priest. He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, or whatever your version says, um, bulls and goats, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleaning of the flesh. If that were the case, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So if the blood of bulls and goats could accomplish this much, and it did fall short, 
But if, even if it could accomplish that, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, he will cleanse, because of this sacrifice, because of his blood, it will cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And we're going to pick up in verse 15 here. Any more thoughts on, on that, Joel? I mean, there's this constant contrast going on between the old sacrifice, the old system, the old law, the old high priest versus the one high priest, the new covenant, um, the better covenant, the better sacrifice. Yeah, that's really what keeps standing out to me is this contrast that he's making. Because one thing that we have, if you've listened to us for any amount of time, we, we talk about how we have this Bible, the scriptures, you know, the 66 books. And as believers, we open up our Bible or maybe you've got it on an app, on your computer or your, a paper copy of the scriptures. And we think that anything that is said in there is for us because it's God. It's God's inspired word. And so it's for us because we're God's people. We're believers. But here, the writer is contrasting things that were done under the old covenant. And he's saying it's not that way anymore with Christ. That's the way it was before Christ. Here is how it is now with Christ. This is what was accomplished under the Old Covenant, and everything that was accomplished was really a shadow because it could make nobody perfect. There was blood involved, but it was the blood of bulls and goats. It wasn't Christ's blood. There was a sense of purification, a sense of being sanctified and uh, being made clean, but really it was temporary. It wasn't permanent under the Old Covenant, and it had to be done over and over again. But now in Christ... Uh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So there's this contrast here. This, <laughs> and, and this helps, I hope, a person to realize that these things that happened under the old covenant were made obsolete. The end of chapter 8 says it has been made obsolete. It's not an effect anymore. All of those things that we read, it, it was a shadow. It pointed ahead to what Christ would do, but it's not the substance. Christ is the substance. That's so important for us to understand here in our lives in Christ that not everything in the Bible was written for us to follow. And even these Jewish people, he's trying to help them to understand that's the way it was. Now here's how it is with Christ and verse 15 of chapter 9. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death. So his own death, now again, not the blood of bulls and goats, not them dying, but his own death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. So again, everything that was done under the old was temporary and was a shadow, what Christ did leaves us with the promise of the eternal inheritance. That's, you know, we have eternal life through what happened here, not just a temporary sense of cleansing, not just a temporary sense of something that's, this is going to have to happen over and over and over again, but really doesn't ever make us perfect <laughs> under the old covenant. But under the new, under Christ, he has perfected us. And so it all has to do with his death. Verse 16, for where there is a testament, and the word covenant and testament are used interchangeably here. It's the same Greek word, 
in some versions of the Bible and at some different parts of the Bible, it uses the word testament. In some versions, the word covenant is used. It's the same Greek word, means the same thing. Where there is a testament or where there is a covenant, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. And so that's when, when Jesus died, that's when the old covenant went out of existence, was made obsolete, and the new covenant came into being. Yeah, and, and another word that is sometimes uh, showing up in English Bibles is the word will. Mm-hmm. So we have will, covenant, and testament all coming from the same Greek word. So where there is a covenant, there must be of necessity the death of the one who made it. For a covenant is valid, or a will is valid, a testament is valid, only when men are dead. For it is never in force while the one who made it lives. Therefore, even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. So what's the point here? Well, the will, the covenant, could not go into effect until the death of the testator. That's why it's a little bit of a bummer that the New Testament page is located where it's at in front of the book of Matthew. I'm not sure if there's really an official great place to put the New Testament page between the Old and the New Testament in our Bibles, but it probably would have been better off being placed somewhere after the death of Jesus because that's when the covenant began. It didn't begin with the birth of Jesus. It began with the death of Jesus. That's when the old ended, and that's when the new began. There wasn't this big transition taking place. There was a transition in the minds of the people, as Joel mentioned, uh, I think, last week. You know, And that's why the writer of Hebrews is, is communicating these things to these Jewish people who have been under this first covenant. They were trying to reconcile these things. I, how, how does this work now? We believe in Jesus. We trust in Jesus. But you know, we still have this system here. I mean, am I, am I still supposed to sacrifice animals? How does this work? How's it work with the priest and all of that? You know, you're telling us Jesus is the high priest. And so he's explaining all of these things. So the covenant, in order for it to take place, the testator, the one who made the covenant or the will or the testament, he had to die. And that was Jesus. And, you know, if you've ever received uh, an inheritance from somebody in their will, it didn't go into effect when you died. It went into effect when they died. So there's a parallel here between that and this. But this is a the new covenant that was being established. And again, Jesus really is that covenant. And he goes on to say, even the first covenant, the one that has been wiped out, was not inaugurated without blood. And then he, he, he's going to go on here to talk about some things with Moses that we'll be getting into and how it compared to the sacrifice of Christ. Again, that the constant comparison, you see, because again, under the old, the shedding of the blood, all it could do was provide a temporary forgiveness. It was temporary. It covered sins. It couldn't take them away. And that's an important distinction between the old and the new, the former sacrifices and the one sacrifice, the many priests and the one high priest. That's an important distinction, knowing that Jesus' blood could actually take away sins and provide a forgiveness that was eternal. Boy, we're going to be getting into that over the next few programs. Yeah, and so if you've ever had this thought that, you know, oh, thank you, Jesus, that you have covered my sins. You know, guess what? You've actually got it a lot better than that. (laughs) He didn't, like you were just saying, Cal, he didn't just cover our sins, like happened under the old covenant. It was a temporary covering. He took them away. The blood of Jesus did so much more than anything and everything that happened under the old covenant. Like we were talking about from 
from Hebrews 7, Jesus is greater than the Levites, and he supersedes and does away with the entire Old Covenant. Jesus himself, we had this Old Covenant in effect for 1,500 years, basically. The people were under the law from the time the law was given until the time of Jesus was approximately 1,500 years. For centuries, therefore, they followed these laws, and it could never do anything to perfect them or to make them right with God, just a temporary covering. But with Jesus and his blood, our sins were taken away. So yeah, we see this contrast all throughout, and then especially here in chapter 9, we're seeing a lot of this. Um, Moses had spoken all these things about the law. He took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and the people the book of the law, and the blood of the covenant, he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. So that was the old covenant. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So blood was necessary for the remission of sins. And uh, since our time is up for this one, just basically to highlight the fact that, okay, once again, under the old covenant, The shedding of blood covered their sins temporarily, but the remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins, the taking away of our sins permanently came through Jesus Christ with his blood. We're almost to the end of chapter 9. We'll get into uh, maybe a little bit more on that in chapter 10 next week right here on Growing in Grace at growingingrace.org. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski, heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.